In today's video, we're going to look at what would happen if the world were to de-dollarize. So if the world were to lose the US dollar as the world reserve currency, what exactly would happen? And if nothing else, I promise you a very interesting video here because we're going to take this in three parts. We're first going to look at the history, a very brief history of the US dollar. We're then going to look at the current trend of de-dollarization, which is going on at the moment, largely driven by the BRICS nations, your Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, plus the other nations which are coming together with BRICS. And then finally, we're going to look at what the impact of that would be on a global scale, but very specifically on the USA. If you were a US citizen, how would that affect you? What exactly would happen? And spoiler alert, it's not good at all, but we'll get to that later in the video. So let's start with a brief history then. I'm not going to dump everything I know about the US dollar on you or we'd be here for hours, but the first US dollars that, that we call US dollars today came around in a, around about 1914. Now, there's even a backstory to this. What was 1914? It was World War One. It's when there was a lot of instability around Europe in, in general, but there was a lot of instability with currencies around the world. There's a lot of fantastic books that you can read on this about these breakdowns in, in currencies and, and what happened as a result of that. And then we know about Weimar Republic, hyperinflation. We know about the Great Depression. It was a very chaotic era around that time. But if we look at, say, the Bretton Woods Agreement, which was 19. 44, which came out of the, the conference. This is where we sort of had 44 allied nations come together because as a re result of World War II, everything was just in absolute chaos. A lot of countries that had gold reserves at the time had actually sent all of those gold reserves over to the United States to pay for goods and services and um, uh, weapons and war-based materials, but also a lot of food and other things that, that countries needed to continue running. So as a result of so many countries losing their gold reserves and having what we might call a fiat currency today and was very weakened and that they knew if they printed too much, they could go into a hyperinflationary period, just like we saw in Germany um, decades before. And that was really when you had the Rentenmark, which I actually have here framed uh, an original Rentenmark at the same time as your Deutschmark. So you, there was a lot of crazy things going on during this period. And even Britain, which hung on to its, its gold standard during the sort of World War I era and, and thereafter, it was around about 1931 that Britain had to abandon the gold standard as well. Now, that's really key. And I want you to pay very careful attention to what happened because this gives us a good indication as well and what we can link to the, the end of the video. What happened when Britain lost the reserve currency, as it were, or more specifically when it actually left the gold standard in 1931? Because here's what you need to understand. A country doesn't just lose the reserve status like that within 24 hours and it's, and it's gone and the country just gets decimated. It doesn't actually work in that way. What tends to happen is that it takes decades of a decline thereafter, but you do see the decline. But what actually happened in 1931 when Britain went off the gold standard was very key. 
So if you hold a lot of T-bills, US Treasury bills, or a lot of countries that hold a lot of Treasury bills, well, here's a good lesson for you. A lot of those bills that were held, or those uh, bonds, should we call them, outside of, of Britain, other people, governments, institutions holding them, they took a huge, huge hit. Not to mention a lot of bank accounts which um, either traded in British pounds or held British pounds as their sort of backup. You know how some companies and some people will hold multiple currencies just in case. Maybe that's you. You don't want to just hold euros or British pounds or dollars. You might want to have a basket of currencies in a, in a bank account that allows you to have multiple currencies as a hedge against weakenings that we're seeing at the moment. A lot of companies do this as well that have to trade in and out of different currencies. Now, bringing this back to the US dollar then, so Bretton Woods 1944, what was agreed at that conference between the 44 allied nations was that the USA, United States of America, was really the only country left that could hold the status of the new reserve currency. Why? Very simply because they held all the gold. The US had just accumulated all this gold and had become very wealthy as a result. So they were the obvious choice. So what all these other countries decided was they would peg their currency to the US dollar. And the US dollar was therefore pegged to gold. So it wasn't a fiat currency in the way we know a fiat currency today. It was a gold-backed currency. So you had the gold, which is the value. That, that is the real money because it meets all the values of money. You then had the representation of the money, which was the US dollars, and of course the T-bills and everything else and the bonds. You then had other currencies which were a representation of a representation of money. You see where this is going. So that is how it worked and any country could on demand uh, claim their gold in return for exchanging the US dollars they had. But this is where the US got a little bit loco, they got a little bit crazy with what they were doing and then they started to really lean on this uh, exuberant privilege, if we use that term if you know the reference, to start creating a lot more currency for themselves. They used it to fund the Vietnam War, the Great Society program, and all these other things. And what this did was it started to do what we're seeing again today on a, on a vast scale, which was for the US to export their inflation um, globally to other countries. So a lot of other countries saw this and they said, whoa, whoa, hold on, we don't like this, we're taking on your inflation. So they started to reclaim their gold reserves. And it's a little like what we're seeing at the moment with these bank runs. A bank run sparks a bigger bank run, and that sparks an even bigger bank run, and it creates a spiral. And that's what we saw. We saw a bank run on a global scale with all of these countries removing gold. And then in 71, Nixon then said, OK, I'm, I'm taking the US dollar off the gold standard. And of course, other countries were absolutely furious about this decision. But what could they do? They were left with holding the bag, which was they had a fiat currency pegged to a fiat currency, which was backed by absolutely nothing by this point. So let's move now into point number two of three of this video. And that is 
de-dollarization and what exactly is happening right now. So let's get a couple of foundational points first. 59% of reserves are held outside of the USA uh, and they're held in, in foreign central banks as what they class as reserves. So this can be uh, in terms of US dollars, it could be cash, it can be bonds, or treasury bills, etc. So we have about 59% sat in these central banks, meaning that we have roughly 13.5, let's say, as of uh, late 2022. That's trillion, so $13.5 trillion in dollar-denominated debt. Now, if you also think that trade in US dollars is now around 40% of, of global trade, you can see just the direction this is going in. Now, I want to move into de-dollarization and what's actually driving this. And you've heard me talk about this very controversial point a lot on the channel over the last year. But I said when the whole thing kicked off with Russia and Ukraine that one of the big things that the US did and then uh, all the other sort of G7 nations and a lot of Western nations followed was to do these very strict sanctions onto Russia. And of course, I did my analysis on that. I went through in very minute detail every last point of the sanctions. And my assessment was that this was not a good idea because A, it wouldn't bankrupt the Russian military for, for a start, which is the whole point of, of the sanctions. B, if you force them off the dollar and you move them off the SWIFT system, it's not as if they're just going to go bankrupt and they're going to say, let's all go back to the Stone Age. No, it's, it's obvious. This is tipping point theory. You cause enough pain, people have to make a move. And what was my assessment? That they would de-dollarize and they would pull in the other BRICS nations to assist with this and they would start to trade outside of the US dollar. That was my assessment and that is exactly what has happened. So what we had was this de-dollarization phase that was going through and all that's happened is now you've accelerated it on a, a, a huge, huge scale because what we are now seeing is trade taking place and all of that energy, by the way, uh, from Russia, it's being sold anyway. It's just not being sold into the West anymore. Are they achieving the same prices? No, they're not. But they're still selling this energy, the, the oil and the natural gas and etc. And that's going to countries like India, another BRICS nation. It's going to China. It's going to other South American nations. So the energy is still going out there just uh, at a pace that's more beneficial to the growth of those nations. So this also explains how the, the BRICS nations are growing at such a rapid rate. And even a, a recent surveys come out to say that they're about to overtake very shortly the G7 economies in terms of economic growth. So we're seeing this huge movement now from the West and it's pivoting into the East, only accelerating the de-dollarization. The other mistake that I feel was made with the whole sanction process was that you have all of these other countries around the world, powerful countries that saw what happened in that situation, saw that there was no international court of law that, that authorized those sanctions. And as a result of that, these other countries saw it and say, whoa, 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 hold on. If that can happen to a country as big and powerful as Russia, then what could happen to a smaller 
nation like us. Uh, and Russia's a, a nuclear superpower, and we don't even have weapons of that scale. We really don't have anything to uh, threaten back with. So I think a lot of countries saw that, and they started then to say, okay, we need to look at this situation, and we need stronger allies. Because, of course, the US is the, the powerhouse in the world. It has, it's a bit like, think of back to school. I always use the example of the toughest kid in the playground. And it doesn't matter who you are. You always had that tough kid. You could probably remember them now in the playground. And hopefully that kid for you was a good kid. But in my school, that was a bad kid. And he would bully all the other kids. But just imagine if one day that all of the other kids got together and said, hold on, hold on, I'm, I, I, I'm not so sure about this. Maybe if we just got together one day, that we might be able to do something about this, this kid. And although that pretty much never happens, unless you're watching some sort of a, a movie, in theory, that is what we are now seeing on a, on a global scale. We're seeing a lot of countries saying, hold on, the US has had this, this privilege for a long time, this dominance, and now we want a little bit of that because we're worried that something might happen to us. We're worried that we might be producing all of this GDP and economic output and sending our resources, which is basically the model of the world. Other countries send their labor and material resources for the US and the US sends dollars back in return. So these countries were probably thinking to themselves, well, I'm sending all my labor, I'm sending all my materials, and I'm getting these treasury notes in return in a lot of cases. But what if my treasury notes are weaponized against me or confiscated? We've done all of this work for absolutely nothing. And I think that is what we're seeing. The writing is on the wall with that scenario. So that is one part of it. Now, how do you de-dollarize without doing it from a military point of view? Well, firstly, you need to have a base material. You need to have a base value. What is that base value, that real money that we talked about previously? That is gold. It's physical bars of gold, not an ETF or paper gold or all these other things that people ask me about all the time. No, it is physical gold. Now, you look at what Russia and China and some of the other BRICS nations, and not just BRICS, but outside of BRICS, the BRICS allies, have been doing over this last year, on a mass scale like you cannot believe, they've been accumulating gold, just these huge reserves of gold versus the West who hasn't really been accumulating any more gold during this period, which again, I believe is a mistake. If you see who is um, deemed your competitor accumulating gold at a vast scale and you know that gold has been money for thousands of years, you should really see the writing on the wall and accumulate gold for yourself. Because even in a worst case scenario, where the BRICS country launch a gold-backed currency, which is my forecast for you, I think that's what, what's gonna happen. I think it's going to be a digital currency as well, which will compound the effect of it. A digital currency backed by gold is about as good as it's going to get. And then you're sat on the other side of the fence with a fiat currency backed by absolutely nothing, but you're leaning on the weight of having the reserve currency, which I think is very foolish, actually, to, to be honest with you there. It's obvious which way this is going to go. They should be preparing to actually purchase gold 
for themselves and create their own alliance ready if, if a BRICS currency does launch to launch something of their own to counteract that on the global stage. But we've got to look at the evidence here. It's easy to just talk around in, in circles and theorize, but we need to look at the evidence. And the evidence says that Brazil and Argentina right now are looking at launching their own digital currency. They want to bypass the dollar in terms of trade. You have the BRICS nations wanting to bypass the dollar in terms of trade and trading with, within their own currencies. You have the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. You have Saudi Arabia also wanting to somewhat bypass the US dollar in trade. Already, just with those countries, not even naming the dozens of other countries that also want to do this, that is a powerhouse in and of itself right there. But I do think we need to caution against any sort of scare tactics to say that the US dollar is going to lose the reserve status, you know, uh, this week, this month, even this year. Because again, look at the, the history, we look at the charts, and we know that it doesn't happen like this. It takes a long period of time. And actually, my belief is that even if the US loses the reserve currency status, I think what's most likely is that the US dollar will just remain one of a number of um, currencies and it will always be a big player for the very near future anyway amongst these global currencies. The euro I think will be another powerful currency. But even on a world stage the US dollar isn't the most powerful currency in the world which is what I keep hearing economists talk about all the time. They say the value of the dollar is the, the strongest currency. It's actually not. If you look at the dinar, uh, Kuwaiti dinar, the, the Jordan dinar, Bahrain dinar, the um, Omani real, the British pound, the euro, the Swiss franc, these are all more powerful than the US dollar. So I just want to put that into context before we move into the third and final stage then, which is what would happen if the US lost the reserve currency status. And that is the stage that I'm going to give you. Uh, in fact, I will. I'll give you a worst case scenario because I think that is probably what you have watched this video for and what you want to hear. Not what is the best case scenario because that probably means that not a lot is going to change. What is the absolute worst case scenario? What would happen to the US under those circumstances? And again, I always like to use history and not just ancient history, but current history and examples of patterns in other countries in order to give you forecasts. And that's why the forecasts I make tend to be highly accurate because I do that. I do it in this way. I don't do what a lot of economists do. And sort of, you know, lean on their intelligence to try and guesswork. I, 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 I do this in a very methodical, rational, logical way. And I look at other examples to give me a pattern of what is most likely to occur next. So when I read a recent article by a former uh, Treasury exec, it just made me scratch my head because what she said was that if the US lost the world reserve currency status, it would be, and I quote, catastrophe and that there would be a global collapse of everything including infrastructure and food nothing would work whatsoever and there would be famine and all this other stuff well let me just say that even in a worst case scenario would not happen and i'll tell you why it wouldn't happen firstly other countries around the world have their own currency so they would just depeg from 
the dollar and you would see what you're seeing with some of the BRICS nations right now which is doing trade amongst themselves. So there would be a de-pegging from the dollar right away if the dollar completely collapsed and went to zero. But again, it wouldn't do that. It wouldn't collapse and it wouldn't go to zero unless there was a, a deliberate reset of the currency, which we can't rule out. But that is the only scenario that I would foresee that happening. But if we did see a lot of countries start to offload the dollars, like we talked about after the the uh, 1971 when Nixon took it off the gold standard, a similar situation there. But even if you want a modern day, very technical uh, example, look at what happened with a cryptocurrency Terra Luna. And you saw how people started to dump it, dump it, dump it. People were getting rid of it at any price. Now, I don't think the dollar would go in exactly that same way because there'll always be value for the, for the trade during a, a, a circumstance like this. But it could go down very quickly in value as a lot of countries try to dump their treasuries. But remember, a lot of countries couldn't just dump all of their treasuries because it is a very interconnected trade-based system. So again, this is another thing I keep hearing. Oh, Japan would dump their one trillion in treasuries overnight. No, they wouldn't because there needs to be a buyer for them. But let me give you that worst case scenario now. Let's say the economy did start to collapse in the US. Number one, your access to your bank accounts would be stopped right away. The ATMs would run out of money, the banks would be closed. They would probably simply shut off your access to online banking. The stock market would be closed right away. Uh, interest rates would be put up very, very quickly as well. Your access to fuel at the gas station, at food at the supermarket, all these things would be re restricted in a very, very quick succession. And if you want a, uh, an example from the US, think back to 1928, 29 to 38 period, the Great Depression period. And you think what happened on uh, Black Thursday and by Tuesday, the stock market was down 25%. By 1932, 25%, so one in four Americans was out of work. You imagine that today, 25% just instantly out of work. And manufacturing wages dropped precipitously by around about 32, 33% within a, a very short space of period as well. You had millions of workers from the Midwest where there was the Dust Bowl um, going to other places, mainly uh, west of California to try and find work. So all of these things were all happening at the same time. And then if we look outside of the USA, we have um, very recent examples. We have Lebanon, we have Venezuela. You think about, let's use Lebanon as an example first then. One dollar was equivalent to 1,500 Lebanon lira. Today, one dollar is around about 15,000. So you can see that's a devaluation of 90%. In fact, if you look at the inflation rate, that was 190% in February of this year. Now you wanna know what happens under those circumstances. You look at the crime, you look at what is going on in that, that country, and that gives you a good indication. Now let's look at Venezuela, which at one time was the second richest country in the world by GDP capita. A lot of people aren't aware of that. You look at Argentina and the expression as rich as an Argentinian. Today you don't see it. So 
when I keep hearing people say, the USA will always be rich and it will always be the richest country. Well, I would say it's probably not, even if it takes a hundred years to, to go through this phase. This is just how these cycles work. Just because you're wealthy today, if you are an American, and again, not all Americans are wealthy, it actually has one of the greatest wealth inequalities in the world. It doesn't mean that in you know two or three generations that your grandchild is going to be rich as well, because it could be like Venezuela. 1950, second richest country in the world by GDP capita. Today, 135% inflation rate as of when it was last measured in October of 2022. Imagine your um, your cup of coffee. I know you love uh, your cups of coffee. I'm a tea drinker myself, but let's just use the coffee example. Imagine your cup of coffee costing $30. Imagine uh, some milk, $35. A loaf of bread, $25, $30. Imagine an average family car costing half a million dollars. What about an average family home costing five to ten million dollars? These are all the sort of things that could occur if the US dollar not only lost the reserve currency status and all those dollars that live outside of the USA flooded home, but you'd have to see a massive devaluation like Lebanon you know, and Venezuela. But it's possible. Imagine if you did see a catastrophic collapse like the former uh, Treasury uh, Secretary forecast would happen, which again, I don't actually agree with that, but let's just use it as an example. This is pretty much what we would see if the US dollar lost its reserve status, followed by an economic collapse within the country. So I've been really wanting to make this video for a long time, but because the news has been so crazy lately, I've had to keep up with all of that. But as we've had a lull in news recently, I really just wanted to put my ideas, well, down, but more in my head and just build this story out in my head so I could get this all across to you, because I do get this question all the time, you know, on a weekly basis, if not more frequently, what would happen if the USA actually lost that reserve currency status? And is it likely? And I think the answer to the question is, yes, eventually the US will lose the reserve currency status. And we're already seeing deglobalization right now on a very, very fast pace. And if you want to know more about finance and economics and actually understand a lot more around this realm, you are more than welcome to check out my finance course or my private community, which the link is below in the description. But apart from that, thank you for watching today and I will see you all tomorrow for the weekly walk and talk. Take care. God bless.